What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Life Uncaged podcast. I am your host, Emma Zia, and today I have a very familiar guest with me. So today I'm sitting here with John Templeton. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Emma, my ex-girlfriend. How are you? (laughs) So for those of you that might not know, John and I are ex-partners. We also used to run a podcast together called This Is Nonsense, which I think is still available actually on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. I still have people messaging me saying that they're getting a lot of value from our content. So if you haven't checked out that podcast, then feel free to jump onto YouTube or Apple, just a little plug. Um, it's not running anymore, but we do share a lot about what's going on in the world at the moment, um, you know, in relation to the pandemic and spirituality and, and everything in between. So I obviously know John very personally. <laughs> and I think, you know, the time that we've known each other, we've really experienced a lot of personal and professional growth. So it's interesting because John and I are really on the opposite ends of the spectrum with a lot of things. It's like the way that our deepest wounds have manifested are completely opposites, but the wounding is the same. So it's really interesting. We're always sharing each other's perspectives and insights and revelations on things because that's really, I think, how we've really grown, you know, as people. Um, so to give you the professional bio, John is a master life coach and international speaker, and he has a passion for helping others achieve greatness in their lives. He is a Guinness World Record holder, national bodybuilding champion, and ex-special forces and celebrity trainer. And he's spoken on stages alongside Tony Robbins, Les Brown, Dr. Deepak Chopra, and Dr. John D. Martini. I hope I said that name right. John has coached Olympic athletes, professional sports teams, CEOs, multimillionaire business owners, military and service personnel, as well as thousands of other people through his life-changing events and programs. So today we're going to be deep diving into how to stop living small, how to actualize your potential and how to achieve life mastery. So I want to kick off by asking you the question, because I know that this is really a passion of you with everything that you do is achieving life mastery. What is life mastery? That's a fantastic question, Emma. I'm full of them. (laughs) I don't think there is an end point to it. It's, it's, it's growth becoming like how cliche, the best version of yourself. But what does that mean? It means that you're fulfilled. It means that you're fulfilled. It's like when you're ready to pass on, it's not like you want to go, but if it was to happen, you'd be like, cool. And you could look back and be like, I nailed it. I nailed life real good. <laughs> um, but I, I honestly think it's never ending. And if, cause you start going down into the occult stuff, um, there's just a lot to learn and ways to essentially improve and master your life. So it's not something you could put a number on like, Oh, you're a millionaire and da, da, da. it's, 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 I think it is individualized, but there is a common direction that people that walk the path of life mastery go down. And that's, um, like, mentally becoming sharp clear aligned uh physically being fit healthy not over the top it's balance it really is balance it is how well can you can you live as a balanced being mind body and soul that's life mastery Mm. that's pretty interesting because i know we've spoken about this before that you know I'm, i'm interested to see your thoughts on this like we've spoken before about 
to truly excel in one area of your life, whether that's business, you know, finances, relationships, health, whatever it is, you know, you have to sacrifice in another area of your life um, because, you know, you need to put your energy and your focus and your resources into that, that one focus. So people that have obviously achieved greatness, you know, typically if we're thinking of Olympic athletes and things like that, they're putting their focus more into one area of their life than the other. So where do you kind of sit with that in terms of achieving greatness? Is greatness for you actually having that balance? So maybe not having as much money as you originally, you know, wanted to achieve, or maybe not, you know, being as athletic and dedicated to a sport as you once wish you did, and actually coming back to each area, like every area of your life, you have greatness in and happiness in. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would say correct. I would say the westernized ideology of greatness is actually very sick. Mm. I think it's sickness. I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't think it's wellness. Um, you know, it's really impressive what people achieve, but when people go to the extremes, I would say there's something inside of them that's not healthy and not happy and not balanced, if we're going to use that word. And that's what drives them to the extremes. You look at David Goggins, like he, he, that dude pushes himself like a beast, right? And that used to be me with the world record and just being in the military. Um, and, but like you said, you look at another area of his life, maybe it's a shit show. Maybe it's mm. a shit show, you know? And it's, it's easy for us, I guess, to sit here and judge. And I'm, sh you know, I would love to talk to him in, in person and really find out what's going on inside. You know what? I watched a video yesterday and it was the guy, I think his name's Andy Frazella. He came up with the 75 hard challenge. And I was just looking. John, there's a, there's a bit of like muffling. I'm not sure where it's coming from. Are you like covering the laptop speaker or have you got Odie on your lap? I mean, he's, Odie's over there. Oh, okay. Can you still hear it? When you move your arm slightly, I can hear a muffling. Muffle, muffle, <laughs> muffle, muffle. No, that's good. It's, it's when your arms are down. If anyone's watching on YouTube, John just did a beautiful little interpretive dance for <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, carry on. It's just, I don't even know what we're talking about now, but recently I've been watching different people and I'm like, how are they all, you watch like a guru, spiritual guru, traditionally probably wearing quite light clothing speak. I would say would speak relatively slowly, very like present maybe. Um, and then you, then you speak to someone who's built the 75 hard challenge he's like you fuck or david gong's like you go after your dreams you'll be disciplined you'll be focused and so obviously we're all in individuals and 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 we all you know choose to live in each individual expression but I, i'm curious personally i'm curious who's more traumatized like i don't know i don't know the answer i would love to because sometimes you know you if, if you get traumatized and you get emotionally you go through an emotional pain, what often happens, and I'm a culprit of this, is you go up to your head to the logic to try and understand it. And I've been reading a lot about this recently. And because the pain is, for, let's use an example so anyone listening is like, <clears throat> if there was a child who felt unloved, the parents weren't there, maybe they were smoking and drinking and they just literally felt unloved. And that child cried, right? I need love, I need love, I need love. No love came. And that child stopped crying and was like, well, crying doesn't work. 
you know, anger doesn't work. So they just repress their emotions. They're like, none of this works. I get told off every time I'm sad. I get told off every time I'm angry. I'm just going to be emotionless. And this book I've recently been reading, and, and there's actually a couple of books. We've got like gates that actually, if pain gets too much, the gate will kick in. And our conscious mind is actually born for us to survive and deal with emotional pain so instead of feeling the emotional pain we we make we rationalize it right and we we go to logic and try and understand the pain and so if people are fully in their head really what's lying underneath that is a ton of pain intellectual people are escaping the pain in their body through intellect but then i was thinking about these gurus i'm like have they raised their consciousness all the way up to the top of the head? They never really seem emotional. They're just kind of like, and I was just curious. I'm like, have they just gone so far up because down is too painful? And I was like, I don't know. Maybe I need to talk to them. Would they, whatever. And then these other people who are really aggressive and fired up, they're going to conquer the world. Like you've got to be disciplined. I don't give a fuck. It's, it's, are they too, protective to go into their pain and heal it and so so this is a journey i'm on as well like exploring it myself and exploring it in my clients and exploring it in just watching people and then i started thinking this book i read actually is really fantastic it was like what is normal what is a normal person what would you say normal is i think that's a very interesting question because normal i suppose will be defined by cultural expectations like what is expected, like the way that we show up, what we say, what we do, um, is very much living within the comforts of what our generation has been programmed into. Mm. Carry on though. Well, so I was going to say like, <clears throat> is it not right now, 50% of the people around are on medication for one thing or another, you know, anxiety, depression, all this, is, is that normal now? Because it's, I mean, it never used to be normal. People, there was an advert on the bus the other day, like one in three people get cancer. I was like, that's not normal, but are we normalizing it? So the question came back to what is normal? And I, and I, I don't know. I don't know, but all I do know <laughs> is that, I don't know, but I feel like normal is unreactive, um, being present with your body, being, you know what it is? It's conscious, being conscious. That I would say is normal because anytime you're unconscious, you're being driven by some kind of trauma or pain where full consciousness is you're fully present and fully aware. But then the next question comes in, are these gurus fully conscious? Is going fully conscious more into your head? Or not in the body i don't know if anybody's listening and knows any experts in this field let me know because i don't know and i would love to know mm -hmm. mm. there's so much that i want to say on this because what you were saying when we were talking about balance that's very much like a buddhist you know philosophy is the middle path the middle path is the path of fulfillment it's not being on the extreme end of anything it's actually having that balance and being in the middle now, what you said about, say, if we take these two extremes, so you've got like the spiritual guru and then you've got, you know, the David Goggins type where they're just like never settle for average, just keep going, achieving, achieving. This is how I would see it is that because both of them are idolized. Both of those extremes are idolized. 
the, the David Goggins type of people are so in their wounding, so in their wounding, but that way of living is so respected and, you know, um, idolized in our culture that people see it as a good thing so they don't know any different but those people are the ones that are so deep in their unconscious wounding they are the ones that are so deep in that wounding of not feeling enough that they're kind of glamorizing it in this way of because I'm definitely I sit here and I'm like look we've got one lifetime and in this brain and in this body we are here to see what we're truly capable of but the intention and the energy behind the way that I say it and the way that I explore and express it is more from a place of how can I become my fullest expression in all areas of my life, intimately, sexually, creatively, mentally, spiritually? How can I really be, um, you know, the, the best version of myself if we're going to go back to that cliche, but from a place of because I know I have that potential, Curiosity. not from the place of I'm not good enough as I am. So you've mm. got those David Goggins type that are so this needs to change. And I think it is. It's shifting. Now, guru culture in itself, I was reflecting on this the other day, even the fact that we call them gurus is pedestaling, right? It's almost like spirituality has been glamorized through this guru culture, that there are certain gurus that give, you know, certain mantras to people so that, you know, it's it's a very, almost like it has this separation, um, uh, this separation and, and status type of energy around it. But I also see that not everyone is necessarily ready for the teachings that they have to share. So there's kind of a little bit of secrecy around it. So I understand that. But this is my thinking is that gurus or, or spiritual leaders that have reached, you know, enlightenment or that level of, of conscious awareness, they have been through the practice of feeling the emotions, feeling the pain, witnessing the, the unhealthy thoughts or detrimental thoughts of the ego but they keep returning back to being the witness. And so when they return to being the witness, they're not acting from that unconscious place. So they've reached a perspective, which is non-duality. So they actually live from the non-dual perspective. Whereas the David Goggins type are the people that aren't being the witness of their thoughts or, you know, their ego's drivers or their behaviors. So they're so stuck in their wounding that that's kind of the difference between, you know, the gurus or spiritual leaders being self-actualized and then, you know, the other ones being, yeah. I think you nailed it a hundred percent. There's, there's no doubt that the Gogginses are living in duality. Goggins is. <laughs> you know, that embraces that whole crowd. It's like, got to prove I'm good enough. Um, mm -hmm. Got to see what I'm capable of. And, and this, this dude yesterday, Andy Frizzella, I think his name is, he's grown an incredible brand and business, but he was even like, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for me. I'm doing it to see what I'm capable of. And I, I loved what you said was like, what's the energy behind it? Mm. Like, like everything what, in this world. Why do you need to, why do you need to prove? Mm. It's the why, right? Get to the why and you're, you're kind of at the core. And his why is there'll be some deep hurt. There'll be some deep hurt somewhere where he's got to prove it, sure to himself. Mm. But that's not even true because if everyone else on the world disappeared, he probably wouldn't be doing what he's doing. Mm. He wouldn't need to. Isn't that interesting if you ask yourself the question, if no one else existed, how would I be? <laughs> I honestly feel like if no one else existed, I'd be wandering around looking for food and like, <laughs> just like, I don't know. Would you, I, don't, I think you'd, well, you'd, I don't know. How would you be? I feel like I would just be a bundle of love. I would just know because there might be a tiger chasing you. Would you really be a bundle of love if a tiger's chasing you? I'd go up to the tiger and I would try and 
<laughs> trying common. But but that's even the thing, right? Like even with like animals, like we this is a bit off topic, but oh well, we're going there. Like we used to watch when we lived together a lot of like videos like this. And it's like take a tiger, for example. A tiger has the ability to react and kill you. It also has the ability to become your best friend. Like, is it David Schneider or Daniel Schneider on YouTube? Dean Schneider. Dean Schneider. D Schneider, something like that. The guy that like literally like lives in a safari and he's like best friends with these animals. So even that is like, it's the energy that you give towards that. You could be in fear of the tiger or you can show the, the tiger love. And if the tiger's having a good day, you'll be in a good place. <laughs> yeah. They're lions, but yeah. Yeah. I know, but I was just using tiger as an example. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So I'm really curious because obviously like, I know you very well, you were very much more in that David Goggins style of, of being most of your life right and it was interesting when you use the example of oh your parents not you know giving you love and you feeling unloved and realizing crying isn't work because I know that that really relates and resonates to how you felt growing up um you obviously so for those of you not listening like John grew up in England and then he moved over to New Zealand when he was 10 years old that in itself is quite traumatic like starting in a new school where it's you know, a completely different culture, different way of being, a different language. You were also separated, you know, from your dad. Your dad stayed in England. Like there's a lot kind of around your your adolescent life, which which is really surrounding love. And obviously, you know, if you don't mind going into it, you know, sharing, you know, your relationship with your mom and just how that all played out. And it's quite a big thing. So when was the turning point for you? When did you suddenly realize that being in that state of always wanting to achieve and pushing yourself wasn't actually self-fulfilling? I wouldn't say I'm not through it yet. I'd say I'm still going through it to a degree. Um, so it's been my whole life. There's not even like a portion of my life where I haven't been driven to achieve. Hence, I've been quite successful physically. Um, and... When I did a lot of healing, maybe like four or five years ago, every internal process I did was in the womb. Every single one, I went back into the womb and I healed. <clears throat> and, I, and, and, and it was unconscious. I wasn't, I had no idea how I grew up as a kid. I was just like, okay, I'll do this course. And it was timeline therapy. And during it, you just say what comes to your mind. Okay. And so it's like, you know, was it before, during or after birth? And I was like, before you know we in the oh, in the womb or whatever um and and i was just saying it i was like this is so weird and then i was having visions of memories of being in the womb and just being neglected being totally neglected and it wasn't until after that that i found out that my mom was smoking she was drinking the whole pregnancy and that people tried to get her to stop like stop and she was like i'm gonna do what i fucking want and so it's like almost undeniable, right? Because I had those visions first out of the blue. I didn't create them. There was no reason for me to create them. Um, and then I discovered afterwards, you know, and, and I, I sent you a picture the other day, a screenshot from a book. And it said it was a, a lady talking about how her whole life, she's just had this hatred for her mum, but she's never known why. Like I felt similar. I really felt similar. And I've, my mum has just pissed me off end over end. And and I, I'd be on the phone to her when I was in the army or something. I'd be like, hey, mom, but I, I would just be angry. No reason, just angry. And so I went through a lot of healing with my dad. And my, my dad and I talked openly about things. And we got to a place where I was like, I always kind of had love for him. All my memories of my dad are good. All my memories of my mom are bad. It's just, it's insane. But 
that was good. And, and my relationship with my dad is good. My relationship with my stepfather's good, but with mom, it just, it just hasn't been. And I've, I've done a lot of, like a lot of healing around it. A lot of tears still are yesterday or the day before I was, you know, crying and it was related to mom and I was cleaning more out, but coming back to your original question, like when, you know, did you realize the high achiever was like killing me was, was, when was a real big, you know, it's, it's like happening now. I couldn't say there's been a big one. I've been punched in the face. And I don't, I mean that metaphorically so many times, you know, as an athlete tearing muscles, um, even a, a couple of years ago snapped my collarbone always and it was just trying to perform trying to be someone trying to be important because i didn't feel important enough so you know all of all of it is currently breaking down and um it feels good it actually feels good and i messaged a guy this morning who does deep men's healing and i messaged him and said hey like i want to work with you so it's it's unfolding now it's yeah. unfolding now which is awesome because it's there's just layers layers and layers and layers and with every healing um i feel better inside myself but because all i've ever known is striving and some of my role models continue to talk about striving 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 i've had a huge conflict because all i've known was hey when i was striving i was successful i was happy i was all these things when i stop striving i feel lost confused i hate my life and so i go back to striving back to striving and I can tell there's some middle ground coming, some balance in the middle coming, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just another layer of growth. And this is when we talk about mastery and mastering life, it's, <clears throat> it's not about the external. The external is a reflection of the internal. Like, I am not against being a fucking billionaire. I will happily do that. I'm not against um, having a great looking body, happy as not against any of it. what people would call fake i'm not against it at all what's driving it what's driving it that is what i want to get to the core of mm. and that's that's what's really interesting about you and this is what i think with everyone right whatever our soul mission is whatever our soul purpose is is it has a light and a shadow side so often we will go through the shadow side of it to then, you know, reach this point where we do some deeper work and recognize where that driver is coming from. And then we can kind of really be seated into the power side of it, the light side of it. And you're, you are, and I've said this to you from day one, you're amazing at taking action. Like you have an idea, you work so quickly and so powerfully um, and you really, you just create and you execute, you create and you execute. And that's something that I've always, you know, really admired in the way that you show up and that you work. But it's also like, I've seen this shift since we've known each other where you were doing it from that place of, I need to do this to be validated. I need to do this to show that I am someone. And when we first got together, we went through, you know, I, I held space for you while you were doing some really deep healing while you actually tapped into your body. And now I can see the way that you show up is from, it's from a different place. It's from a deep inquiry of why am I doing this before I do it? You know, is this for validation or is this actually for personal fulfillment? So your passion, you know, you've always said that, you know, you're so passionate about life mastery and it's almost like the definition of life mastery for you has completely shifted as you've recognized the, the place and the driver that that comes from. Yeah. Which is life mastery. If that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? It's like, 
Well, this is the path to mastery. Uh, no, it's not. Okay, this is it. It's like mm -hmm. that journey of trying and failing. That is the journey of mastery. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I want you to share with us what's a time that you've been really broken in your life and what were the biggest lessons from that? Do you know, someone asked me this like two days ago. They said, when were you, when, what, what in life has broken you? And hear me out here. Nothing has yet. That's why I still think it's coming, but hear me out. So look, I failed special forces selection back in like 2000 and might've been like 2004 or 2000, 2005. And so essentially that broke me but really i quit it got too hard i and i doubted myself and i quit so i was like i failed cool i went back into the pdi selection and i just was my one mantra was like do not quit just endure any pain and you'll succeed and then i had a relationship with a lady here in the gold coast and that put me in hospital um, my body shut down i won't go into the details but because I had such a strong ego, even in the hospital bed, I was in hospital in and out for a month. I was like, my post from the hospital bed is like, nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to come back stronger than ever. Like some, God's trying to test me. And I was, I, I was just, I was a fighter, right? So it didn't break me, but I should have let it break me. I should have let it break me because we, we keep propping ourselves up with falsity. And we don't let ourselves break. And I think that's the problem. And so the last, you would have been in my life for a majority of it, but I spent a lot of time upstairs. I would say broken. Oh, I would okay. say crying to the point of like, help me, God, please help oh, me. Oh. Not out my face, just like two hours straight of like weeping and sobbing. <clears throat> and so I would say that's, that's that's probably the most broken I've been. Now that's happened once before. I was doing a tour of events in New Zealand and I'd lost a lot of money prior to that. And I remember one night just going, God help me. I don't know what to do. And I was not religious. In fact, I would almost be atheist. Spiritual, but I wouldn't have prayed to God. Anyway, I did. And I got all this wisdom and insight come through from the divine and i ran two events back to back and and did like 30 grand which helped a lot didn't get me out of the hole but it helped a lot and so that i should have listened then but i didn't i was like i'm the man i'm the man uh, uh, uh. it's like john learn your lesson and so it's almost like just tapping a nail into a bit of wood it's just taking a while for the nail to get stuck in me that that yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm not as good as I think I am. And it's like, mm. once you have to admit that to yourself and pull yourself off that pedestal, it actually feels good after the fact. And this is the thing with you is that I've seen that not being good enough is such a deep fear for you that actually surrendering fully into the pain of being emotional and feeling broken is something that your mind stops you it stops you going to that place because it actually going to that place is perceived to be more of a threat for you to be a failure a failure sorry is more of a perceived threat than to feel the pain 
So it's almost like there's this block that's really stopping you going from to that place. I think what's really cool about you where you're at now, though, is you're so much more open-minded and curious to exploring those new depths within yourself. I remember mm-hmm. like when we first met, you know, you had some judgment still draw towards like spirituality and, you know, emotional expression and, and things like that. And now through actually being with your emotions last year, when we were living together, I really just seen you open up in a whole new way. And like, I remember you saying as well, like, to to practice humility has been such a big thing for you and I can see it and feel it now and that's something that's so I feel like that's something that's so disillusioned in the personal development space is coaches uh, loads of coaches and mentors and speakers they don't necessarily have that level of humility because they've built their business and they've built their status through that place of pain They've been in so much pain that they've overcompensated and gone in the other way, which has made them successful financially. But then it kind of hits them of like, holy shit, I'm actually not personally fulfilled. Like this doesn't feel happy. And then that's when they kind of go through that dark night of a soul experience. If they let it happen, most people that are that far ahead don't let it happen. They keep fighting and fighting and fighting to Mm. be the best more. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's painful to see. It's painful to see actually yeah yeah so it like a little thing i did i had a a lady i worked with like three years ago completely transformed her life through one of my events and she came up to me she's been doing breath work for a while now and she's doing her facilitator training and she needs to get hours up and she's like can i take you for a breath work session and the old me would have been like i'm better than you like i don't need no like you'd have to pay me or something and i was just felt in my body and I was like, what would someone that's, you know, completely humbled do? And I was like, I would love you to take me through a breathwork session. So she came here, took me through a breathwork session. I fully surrendered and it was really fucking good. And so it's, it's, it's been nice to, yeah, hop off of my pedestal, <clears throat> but it's, it's almost like you can't choose to be humble. It's almost like you can't choose it. You need to clear the thing out from inside you that's stopping you from being humble in the first Mm. place, Mm. which is shame. Mm. Shame, pride. They work together like a seesaw. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Can you go further into that? Because that's the thing is um, shame and guilt are really the two main, uh, you know, emotions that really drive our need to feel like we need to be someone other than ourselves so can you share a little bit about that shame pride seesaw yeah for sure so literally think of a seesaw with shame on one end and pride on the (laughs) other end what will happen if someone is put into a situation where they feel embarrassed or shamed um usually think about when you're younger when you don't have the cognition to be like oh that's not a problem right it's like you genuinely feel shame and it hurts you and you feel the pain of shame in order so so shame is like essentially i'm not good enough right i'm shamed i am not good enough in this moment the opposite to that is i am good enough and that is pride now this is this is something that a lot of people question they're like but i want to feel good enough i want to be good enough i want to be good enough now that is being driven from shame because someone who's good enough doesn't need to be good enough. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? You just so, are. You yeah, just right? are in this moment. So you get off the seesaw. Mm. <laughs> so it's like, if someone wants to be good enough, they're on the seesaw. So 
So if you feel like a 10 out of 10 pain of shame, you're going to do everything you can to prove you're good enough. And what you can end up doing is think about shame in a pit, pride on a pedestal. So shame, you're in a pit of shame. You're just like, I'm useless. And you climb out of it and you climb all the way and you do something successful and you hop on a pedestal and you're like, I'm really awesome. If you're on a pedestal, it is a, it is a high point that you can fall from and hurt yourself, right? It's like, I love that. Yeah. And, and so if, if someone's in this dynamic of pride and shame, we all are to a degree, but the key is not, I don't know if, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see my hands. Like my pride hand is up higher. My shame hand is down low, like a seesaw. If you come to the middle of the seesaw, it's perfectly balanced. And so not too pride, not too shameful, you're in alignment. And that is humility. Humility is in the middle of pride and shame. And so if you're in your head and you're like judging yourself for something you've done, I'm not worthy, I'm not beautiful, I'm not this, I'm not that, you're walking towards the side of shame on the seesaw. You know, um, I don't deserve that, I don't deserve the money, you're down the shame side. And then on the flip side, if someone's like, oh, you know, I'm awesome, I crushed it, I'm a boss, looking at yourself in the mirror, like, fuck, I look good, you're walking towards the pride side. And so it can be confusing. Well, it's like, what, what, what do I do? What, you know? And I listened to this video the other night and it connected some dots for me. It was Alan Watts and he was talking about humility and it just kind of came out of the blue. He's like, humility is the same as saying love. And it's, it's not, I am good enough. I am not good enough, whatever it is. I am. And that's just in the middle. It's just like, I am. And he's like, that's the same as saying I am love. You know, it's, it's the same expression as absolute humility. And so it just drew connected all these dots for me that right in the middle of pride and shame is humility, which is the, 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 the middle way, you know, if we're talking Buddhism and that is the path that is the place to be to have insights to be connected with that that's oneness right you're mm -hmm. taking duality extreme you know pride extreme shame and you're in the middle of those two things and dr john d martini says when you so shame is essentially a negative pride is a positive okay two parts of a magnet right a positive pole a negative pole you can't escape it if you break the magnet in half now you've got one piece of a magnet with a positive and negative and another piece with a positive and negative. Everything's always going to have a positive and a negative pole. But what you do is when you get a positive electron and a negative, negative electron and a positive electron and you collide them together, you get light. And so that's enlightenment. So when you, when you collapse this idea of pride and shame into the middle, you become enlightened. That's the theory of it, the practice of it. I believe I'm doing Dean Martini's breakthrough experience this weekend, Saturday, Sunday. I believe he's very intellectual. I believe that the way to actually become enlightened is not an intellectual concept. It is through feeling the pain of the shame that put you into pride. That, that's what put you on the seesaw. That's what fragmented. If you want to talk about inner child healing and shadow work, sometime in early childhood, you got shamed and you decided you were not good enough. In that moment, you rejected the part of yourself that was good enough. And so you hopped in that moment is when you hopped on the seesaw.
and you started to think differently and act differently because you did not want to feel that shame again mm. yeah and so yeah. here's that inner child wound and you hop off the seesaw essentially mm. yeah I actually I don't know if you noticed I was getting a bit emotional when you were talking because it reminded me actually of when we very first met like when I moved to Gold Coast but we traveled through New South Wales and I remember laying on your cousin's bed and we were just talking and you were going through a, a pretty hard time I think you were maybe going through a bit of confusion there was something there that you felt not necessarily in alignment with and I remember asking you you know why is it hurting you so much and I remember you saying something along the lines of you know well if I'm not good enough, then what if you leave me? No, and I, remember I, said, I said, why do you even love me? I was like, what's there to love about me? Mm. Why do you love me? I remember mm. saying that. And I remember seeing you just break, like just break. And you were just crying and crying. And I remember just looking at you being like, it's, I just wanted to like love you so much unconditionally and just like hold a space for you to not feel judgment for the first time in your life. Cause it's almost like, you know, you were always, um, I feel like you had quite a bit of judgment externally, which says that, you know, you were, and we spoke about this the other day, actually, when I was around your place about, you know, you would judge people or certain things because to judge others means that you can deflect Protect from receiving yourself. judgment from others. It's a form of protection. And so, yeah, I remember just that, like seeing that break and I was like, wow, this guy hasn't felt unconditional love very much in his life. Yeah. No. Which is. No. You know what? I don't, I think, I don't know. I need to explore it more, but <clears throat> I feel very few people have because it's, it's, it's that first it's in the womb. It's the first few hours of birth. It's birth. Like that's traumatizing for a child. Right. And it's even in those moments, you're becoming fragmented. I now understand how important it is for a pregnant mom, even before you give birth. It's like, they have it has to be built on love mm -hmm. it really does and and well you know. i was just gonna say so when you said like a lot of the work that you've done goes back to the womb like that's exactly what it is people don't realize how much even preconception how much that trauma will really affect us in our life because you know as when as a soul when you decide to be birthed through a mother's body there is this contract created between the mother and your soul self and so as soon as that contract is almost agreed upon that's when your life begins it's not when you come out of the womb it's really in that moment you know even before conception so when I went through a lot of my own you know healing my past trauma a lot of it was pre-birth it was actually the condition that I was born into and my perception of that condition which I've really struggled with for most of my life. So isn't that interesting that, you know, it's preconception. That's something that I think a lot of people actually don't understand. A friend of mine couldn't really understand that the other day. And, you know, she was like, well, surely it's when you're born, you know, uh, you know, up until, you know, when you're seven, 10 years old or whatever. And I was like, no, the, the actual beginning stages of our life are so incredibly important. Mm. Um, well, if you understand the so point, I'll just say this quickly yeah, yeah, yeah. about life mastery is, is the principle of cause and effect is mm -hmm. when did you act, when did you, when did you actually start? If every effect has a cause and every cause has an effect, then you're essentially, there's no 
there's no beginning to it, if that makes sense. You, that's why we have past life trauma. And, you know, it's hard. Be, there are people, myself included, that have been like, what do you mean past life trauma? It's like, well, you're, 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 you are consciousness, right? And if you've had multiple experiences, well, that's the premise. People need to understand that you are consciousness. You are not you. You are not your body. You are not your brain. And if, if that premise is accepted, then it's like, well, how, when, when did that, where does that consciousness go after death? Does it come back again? Um, and if you, if you base it off that premise, then there's like a lot of healing to happen. Mm. That's the thing is you can't, you can't identify a particular cause for an effect because there is always another cause and another cause and another cause. And, you know, that's because linear time doesn't exist. Past, present and future is just a mental construct in this human reality so that we can understand the succession and progression of our life in this experience. But all of our past life and future lives are all happening simultaneously, which is why we feel that trauma in the present. That's why a lot of people I feel that, you know, as spiritual leaders, coaches, healers, one of the reasons that we struggle so much to fully step into that soul mission and purpose is because we're still experiencing in the present the trauma from our past of being burnt at the stake for being a witch or for being ridiculed like for being speaking a... from experience emma what do you mean <laughs> being burnt at the stake for being a witch yeah well that's something that has come up i think with me it's more it's it's definitely a healer lineage which is why i've struggled so much i mean that we could we we've actually spoken about this on our podcast that's why um i've always struggled so much with religion and being in churches I literally felt like walking into a church I was going to burn ever since I was a kid I was like there is something that my energy just does not resonate with being in this environment and it was a remembrance of bloodline trauma and you know past experiences but the reason that I'm feeling that in this moment is because it's also existing simultaneously at the same time in quote marks in another lifetime and so when I heal that in this lifetime I also heal that simultaneously with my alternate lifetimes that are happening now um but yeah, we digress slightly. What I do want to ask you, <laughs> always, what I do want to ask you is you said that before we jumped on, one of, you know, one of the things you're passionate about speaking about is how to stop living small. What do you mean by that? And especially in relation to, you know, this David Goggins way of living versus the spiritual path way of living. How does that play into that? I first I'll say I don't think those two ways of living are the only two and I don't even think they are opposites by any degree um so what I would say is two opposites is David Goggins which is the pride shame opposites right it is I need to be someone and there are so many reasons why you would do that um it could be for control. I've, I've experimented with this myself personally is like the better you get at something, the more in control you get. And so the safer it becomes. So we all seek knowledge. Well, most of us do. If you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're seeking knowledge for some reason. Quite often we seek knowledge for safety because the more we can understand it, the less dangerous it is. And that comes from, from our animal instincts. The more we could understand about an animal's behavior, the safer we would feel around it. So living small i would say is you're on the pride shame seesaw and you're in the pit and you're holding yourself back and you're going i don't think you know i interviewed some of my past clients last week <clears throat> doing a little bit of market research and a few of them said i i didn't think i deserve one of the girls said i didn't think i deserved to be happy i didn't deserve to be married i didn't deserve to be living 
you know, in a beautiful home. I didn't deserve to have the career I did. She's like, now she's like, it's the opposite contrast. She's like, I deserve all of it. Of course I do. And so I think the living small comes from a huge part of extinguishing our own flame against sometime through childhood of I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'll never be loved. And when we hold that frame, super low vibration, we're sitting in, um, well, you, you know what it feels like if you, if you don't feel good enough, you're literally just stuck and, and you're going to seek out safe choices. You're not going to thrive. You're not going to live big. Um, and you would say, well, the opposite to that is living big. And I would probably agree, but I don't think that's the way either. I used to, I used to think that was the way. And I think that's what one of the major problems with the world, both are essentially problems. The, the world's screwed in many levels because of trauma. I'm just going to say it, right? People are traumatized and they act on their trauma. And so playing small in the Western culture, I've told you about the three levels of creation, Emma. I know I've talked to you about it. I believe these are them. You've got ultimately victimhood, shame, guilt, victim. I'm not going to do anything about it. And then you've got the people that go, I am going to do something about it. I'm going to become amazing. And they jump to the second level of creation. So level one is like, you're a victim. And the way you create is by getting helped by others. And you can look at this in society is who's, you know, maybe on benefits, things like that. Um, they're creating their life through the first level. The second level, which is a, the big trigger is taking responsibility. I'm going to take responsibility for my life. I'm going to go after my dreams. I'm going to go do it. They jump into level two creation and they become like the hero. And so, but if you look at those two levels, my hands are here again. It's the pride and the shame. It's, it's this, you're still in duality. You still are in this world of separation and I, it's still survival based. People call it thriving bullshit. They inside are scared and they have to prove a point. Goggins is still in survival mode. I'm sorry, but he is. He is still in survival mode. It's not abundant. And so they're the two levels of creation in the Western world. That's really, um, admired. And I get it because it, it, to a degree, it is a step up to a degree. If you look at, um, productivity and i think productivity is a good thing but it can go too far which is when you start to you know cut down the rainforests so it gets people into action from inaction into action it's like okay we're moving but the third level of creation is like we said if we can collide these two into the center so we for people listening we we we, we take the positive self-responsibility and, and you know and the victim and we we ultimately disintegrate them we come into the third level of creation, which is, is co-creation and look at nature. If you want to see what that would look like, the, the, the bee doesn't go and just sting the bird for no reason, right? Maybe the bird tries to eat it. So it stings it, but it doesn't do it for no reason. It's not traumatized. Like, you know, you look at a gazelle and a lion, the lion chased the gazelle. Maybe the gazelle gets away. The gazelle doesn't bitch and moan about the lion. You know, it doesn't even really try and avoid. There's no, there's no trauma. It just goes back to grazing. And after about 10 minutes, all of its vital signs back to balance, back to homeostasis, back to health. 
human beings, the reason we're so unhealthy, because we just, we continue to disempower our stuff with our intellect. So if you want to see level three creation, look at nature. It grows, it's perfect, it's pristine, it's in balance, it's homeostasis. It's not, the trees aren't there thinking about, they're not worrying, they're not stressed. And so it's, you'd call it unity consciousness, maybe, whereas you're one with everything, you're one with all things. And, and that's the third level of creation. And I think as humans, I don't know. I don't know. Some enlightened guru might know. I could throw some ideas around, but I think it's not black and white. It's not like, oh, you're level one, you're level two. There are times in our life where I'm in survival. There are times where I'm in pride. There are times where I'm in unity consciousness, right? Unity consciousness feels beautiful. You feel light. You feel free. You feel abundant. That's true abundance. There's no limit. And so I believe my model of the world and reality and how I want to live my life is and how to, you know, self-mastery, live my best life, is continue to depolarize the positives and the negatives into oneness, into unity, bring the negative and positive into light. And then my, it's like levels of a game, right? Check this out. So if you're playing at level one, you need, you need to take responsibility. You can't just jump to the top level. So with each level, there's a lesson that you've got to learn and you can unlock the next level. And as Einstein said, you know, you can't solve the, the problems with the same level of thinking that created them. So for me now trying to solve, you know, huge problems, I can't do it. I need to depolarize where I am, go up a level, and then I'm going to have the wisdom and the insight. And honestly, I honestly believe our brains aren't really storage. And I believe that there is all this universal information and by depolarizing going up a level we get access to more information and so can the, you just can you just clarify what depolarizing is for people that might not know yeah so polarizing polarity is when you've got two opposites essentially that contrast think of a magnet positive and negative that's the ultimate polarity and depolarizing means you do not have polarity you do not have opposites and so the process of depolarizing as a human the way we polarize is judgment we say good or bad <clears throat> so depolarizing for a human is coming to the point of there's no such thing as good or bad you see the benefits and the drawbacks in everything you see that everything is perfectly balanced if you a lot of people think giving a homeless person a hundred dollars is a good thing but in that same moment you're giving him a hundred dollars you're taking away his ability to take responsibility you're taking you're you're keeping him in level one creation he's staying a victim and you're keeping him there so giving money to the homeless is not good nor bad it's a neutral thing and so everything in life is equally balanced and if someone has the skill level to have everything in their life perfectly balanced then you have depolarized your judgments that's not good or bad it's just is and then you're operating from unity consciousness essentially <clears throat> and so i can't remember where i was but ultimately by depolarizing all judgments you i say this to people in my events if you had no judgments no attachments and no what's it called expectations no expectations 
judgments or attachments, how would you feel? And everyone's like, peaceful, really peaceful. And I was like, exactly. So if we and also that all of those three things are almost one and the same. Yes. Because your expectation is determined by the judgment you have. If you have a judgment, then there's an attachment. <laughs> and as soon as, as soon as you have judgment towards something, then you are in aversion to the opposite of that. So as soon as you say, right, this is the absolute, this is black or white, right or wrong, then you then reject the other side of that. And exactly as you said, that everything in this reality is actually neutral. It's the meaning that we put to it, which determines our experience of it. So this is why I think it's really careful when people put the judgment to that, they then go, well, that's not okay. And it's like, yeah, but this is also okay, right? So yeah, sorry, carry on. No, no, it's really well, really well said. And so the more, you could just say judgments, because if you judge something as good, you're going to be attached to it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so you depolarize that to a place of neutrality. It's like your desire disappears, like, well, it doesn't, but the the, the grip you have on it, it's like you have the ability to be free and let go. And so by depolarizing judgments, you come into a higher level of consciousness. And I believe that, that you know, right now we have um, like top down hierarchy in government. It's like dictatorship. I control it. Da, da, da. I believe with a higher level of consciousness, we'll be like nature. Nature doesn't need governing. It just happens. It just is. And it's perfect. And so I, I do believe humanity is evolving and the direction we're heading is to more of a unity based consciousness. Um, and our part in that is just to heal. It's not to grow a business. Da, da, da. Those are all things you do. I call them vehicles. You hop in the vehicle to get to a destination, but along the way you have obstacles, challenges, and roadblocks. So relationships, great test of your spirituality. Business, a great test of your spirituality. Um, yeah. Exactly. It's all part of our, you know, our life's curriculum. Our life's challenges are our life's curriculum. I just did a, a podcast with Adriana and, you know, she was saying that business and relationships are both soul schools. So exactly what you said, they're just a vehicle for our self-actualization which is, you know, our own expansion and therefore the expansion of the universe at large. Yeah. So do you feel like people are really going to start to change what they attach to the idea of personal fulfillment? So when you said at the beginning, you know, like, oh, um, these labels that we have of I'm going to become a millionaire because that means I'm going to reach this feeling state, which is what I feel like, you know, I'm lacking inside. Do you feel like as a generation, we're going to start to change how we see success and fulfillment and it's going to be more from that place of, self-expression and actualization rather than achieving certain labels and things outside of ourselves? Uh, my initial response is yes. I think we are going to change. I also understand the principle of rhythm, which means we move in cycles. And so I look back, like, has it happened before? And is it something that comes and goes like a pendulum swings side to side? So we go through a period of time of, valuing fulfillment over success for example and that works for maybe 10 generations and then the pendulum goes well fulfillment's boring we need more like variety we need more you know oneness is boring let's go back to duality and polarity and you know do we swing back towards a competitive nature 
I don't know. I don't have these answers. They excite me to talk about though. Mm, mm. Is there anything else you want to speak into with this topic? Because I know you're very much into the cycle, like generational cycles. No, 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 nothing I want to speak into. I mean, everything follows a rhythm. Everything does. And again, look at nature. It's got seasons and they go around and around and around and around. And around. They have, for as far as I know, the start of time and they will go on forever. My question to any gurus out there, and when I say gurus, I don't mean like gurus, I mean just any legends that might have the answer is, is it does, is human consciousness rhythmic or evolutionary? I know it is rhythmic in a way, but does it spiral up? Is it not, is it not one and the same though? No. So revolving revolution, revolution is round and round in circles evolution is growth so are we are we on a merry-go-round or are we improving our consciousness and going towards some ultimate reality of consciousness but is it not one and the same like a a spiral that goes up yes that's how i see it yeah yeah so that would be not a cycle that that's what i said meant when i said it yes is the answer it is that's the question is it a spiral as in, so are you saying as in like we won't go through exactly the same cycle of something because it's this evolving that's going upwards, this spiral going upwards, but yeah. it will be a cycle of some sort. Does that even make sense? Well, yeah, it does. <laughs> I believe we are evolving in a spiral. So, yes, I think we're both agreeing there. Um, <laughs> like spiral down. The question is that this is a principle that I've played with for a few years now is imagine a pyramid. Okay. Or even just imagine, yeah, imagine the top, the top two lines of a pyramid. Okay. And when I say that, if you're listening, imagine a pyramid, take away the base, the baseline, and you've got like an arrow essentially, you know, and if you look at that, at the bottom of it, it's really far apart. Right. But at the top of it, it's the two lines are touching eventually, but at the bottom, they're really far apart. And so I was like, okay, the closer you get to the top, the closer the lines get together. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. But if you then zoomed all the way in, it would end up looking like this again, correct? Because the closer you get to it, the further apart the lines would get again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. I was like, this is just a principle. I was like, okay, cool. The closer you get to unity consciousness, call that the two things. Cool. You, you get close, you get close. Then you zoom all the way in and you notice that it's miles apart again. And you're like, oh, fuck, does this ever end? That's a really interesting concept. For those of you that might not have got that the first time, I actually want you to rewind this and listen to that again because I get what you're saying i think it could be quite hard for people to encapsulate that it almost reminds me of like you know when you watch like psychedelic music on youtube as you do (laughs) and it's just this constant pattern like there's no end to it you just keep going through and through and through and through and through that's what it reminds me of it is this like never-ending zooming but not actually getting to a destination yeah yeah beautiful put those psychedelic things (laughs) called a fractal pattern yeah the pattern fits into itself and it keeps going forever and I think we are, because if you rewind, you know, human history, depending on how you believe we got here and aliens and all sorts of giants and bloody, what are those droids? I, 
I introduced I introduced John to the concept of aliens and other planets and how we're created and stuff last year. And we became obsessed with it, didn't we? We watched Gaia. We watched um, Matthias De Stefano's series on Gaia and we just got so into it. Like every single night we were watching another episode and it's so mind-blowingly like intense, the information that's there. Like I think I'd have to go and rewatch it like several times to understand it. But multiple sources, reliable sources have said the same information. So yeah, yeah. that was interesting. Look into flat earth and Antarctica if you really want to go down. <laughs> but anyway. I no, can't so believe we've gone there in this episode. You just so dropped that so like casually. <laughs> So there's, there's a thing called spiral dynamics, which is essentially levels of consciousness. And currently now on Earth, as far as I understand, we know that there are eight levels or we've got brackets for eight levels of consciousness. And they're based on values. Early, early values are survival based. Um, and the first six levels are dual minded in duality. So I'm not going to explain the whole of spiral dynamics right now, but essentially once you get to level seven, you under, you're integrated. There's integration and integration is, you know, the positive and the negative, Just throw them together, get light level seven and level eight. And I understand conceptually the levels, but when you get there in reality or when the majority of humanity gets there in reality, are we going to go, wow, and all these other levels open up? Fuck, there's further to go. Because at some point in time, values level three rule the world. So values level three, for example, even values level two ruled the world at one point in time, values level one ruled the world. So values level one is individual and you are survival-based ultimately. So you can imagine an individual being surviving for their life. Um, look at a baby. A baby is essentially in, in the first level. Values level two is when two individuals come together and they survive, kind of like tribal. Values level three is you have a tribe, but the tribe needs a leader. And so you have essentially level three thinking, you're the leader of the tribe. Okay. Values level four is when you realize that the leader can be not great. You need democracy. You need like systems and structure that the leader doesn't become greedy or become, you know, whatever. So you, level four thinking is okay. Now we need systems and structures in place. So our, so that we can function that's level four thinking is kind of most of the Western world. Now level five thinking is when you go, well, this is, this is essentially boring. Why do I have to live in these rules of systems and structure and you get the rebels. And so a rebel is born, but so level one is individual level two is tribe level three is individual level four is tribe level five again you're breeding an individual which is is i don't want to be part of these systems but your mentality is win-win you're like i'm gonna this is entrepreneur mindset i'm gonna create something that's outside of the system that hasn't been done yet but i'm gonna win and the system will win level six thinking is again back to tribal it's like oh well, level fives are kind of burning down the rainforest, so that doesn't work. So level six thinking is we need to save the planet. We need to save humanity. And then you realize that you become the thing that you were against the most because you're saying that person is bad. You're still in duality. So level six is saying, well, level five is bad. They're ruining the planet, okay? 
And so you're still in duality. Level seven thinking is going back to individual again, going, well, actually, all of this duality stuff beneath is none of it works. It's all just, you know, chaotic and you understand the principles of duality. Level seven. Level eight, it's it's hard to conceptualize. I don't I don't fully grasp it. I, I believe I'm quite awakened in level seven thinking. Um, there are parts of me still anger. I've got a lot of anger, as you'd know, is like anger is level three thinking. Anger is what drives a lot of level three. So I still have parts of that to heal. And so I've got this big portion awakened. And in order for me to climb further, it's not actually about more up. It's about healing the down. And that will... It's the dissension. Yeah, because that's acting right now, like an anchor right now that's holding me back, holding you back, holding everyone back is mm. we're still anchored in some, in some, you know what anchoring is if you do NLP, you've had an emotional moment in your life that has, has essentially split your um, identity at some, split your consciousness to good and bad at some point. Mm. And I think this is the thing is when we speak about, you know, how to stop living small and how to actualize your potential, the dissension work is such an important foundational step in the process. So a lot of people are fo focusing on the ascension. So they're focusing, whether it's spiritually, you know, I want to be more enlightened. I want to be more conscious. I want to levitate, astral travel, whatever it is, or whether it's more the David Goggins mindset of I've got to achieve, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. It's kind of like we're always striving for more. We're striving for up. We're striving for further. And people really bypass the fact that we need to descend because the further we go within, the further we go without. And I like to say, huh? Nothing. I said, where did you first hear that? I heard it before because it's that spiritual thing of, you know, as within, so without. But what is the way that you say it? Because I really like the way that you say it. I can't remember. And I can't claim it either because I got it from David Hawkins, who is a fantastic author. Uh, the deeper you go inside, oh. you go outside. Yeah, the deeper you go within, yeah. So the deeper you go within yourself, the further you go outside yourself. Yeah. That was it. I and the way to that. explain it as an analogy is like, I say to people, imagine you're swimming in the ocean and you want to go over there. You're like, that's where I want to go. That's where all the fun is. But you've got ankle weights on and they're weighing you down. It's most people are like, I'll just swim faster. I'll just swim faster. It's like, just take the ankle weights off and you'll be there in a jiffy. Mm, you'll be there in a jiffy. It's so English of you. <laughs> I actually, um, I, I have my own analogy, but it's not as in-depth as that. It's just basically, I say to my clients, imagine you've got a bouncy ball and it's like you can drop it down a little bit and it goes a little bit up, but the further you drop it down and the harder you drop it down, then the further it goes up. So that's really like taking the time and the bravery to sit with your shit and to do the inner work. This is like the foundational psychological work. Uh, which is the dissension. And then from that, you can go to the ascension. So it's almost like this beautiful ebb and flow between both. You descend, you ascend, you descend, you ascend. And um, yeah, so I think when it does come to, you know, actualizing your potential, we have to really take a very honest and transparent look at what is blocking us. Because we'll obviously have desires. I desire to have this much money. I desire to accomplish this. And it's like, okay, you're getting that desire. You're receiving that desire from spirit, from your soul self, because it is meant for you. But you can't just keep pushing and pushing and pushing without also looking at, okay, well, what's my resistance to actualizing this desire? What is the contrast I'm experiencing in order to, you know, catapult me into that reality? Are you smiling? Is there something you 
Yeah, yeah, I, I have to go soon because I'm going to the oh, shooting yeah. range and I just, my friend's on the way. So just want okay. to walk out of the house. Let's wrap it up. I want you to let me know. So in like 15 seconds, if you could give a message to anyone that's holding themselves back, that's living small, that's really struggling to step into their potential, what would your advice be? I would say get really present with the feelings that are driving you. Why is it that you are playing small? You know, do you want to be safe? Why is it that you are striving so hard? Do you want to be seen? And go into the root of that pain because playing small, you will never be fulfilled, right? It's, it's, you can't just keep going on through life feeling not good enough, unworthy. That's madness. And you don't want to pass that on to your children. On the flip side, you can't go on striving for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing because that's also unfulfilling. You might get a pat on the back and people might love you, but you won't love yourself, right? None of those ways work. What you need to do is throw the bouncy ball down into the depths of despair, go into that pain, find someone that can hold space for you, myself, Emma, any other healers or that that are around you, and heal that so you can start flying high, not because you need to, but just because that's the person you are. Mm, I love that. I love that. What a beautiful message to finish. So where can people find you and connect with you? At John Templeton Official. That's my handle on all social media platforms. You'll find me, but at predominantly Instagram. I'm going to be more active on Facebook soon. Um, yeah, message me genuinely just message me say you enjoyed the interview um connect with me share this if it's been really cool and i'm sure it has especially if you're <laughs> still here at the end um but yeah emma thank you so much for having me on your show it's been great yeah you're so welcome and john and i have like really deep soul chats and chats about all this stuff like in a lot of depth consistently so i think it's nice to jump on board and kind of share some of our perspectives with it i almost wish that we had a way to record it just spontaneously because the chats we have are so epic but yeah guys as john said if you have resonated with this episode if it has been beneficial for you and you want to share it with your community with your tribe then please share it on your social media tag myself at emma zia and tag at John Templeton official. Make sure it's not John Templeton officer. There is a fake account going around. So just make sure it's John Templeton official. There's, two. there's another, and there's a fake account also, John Templeton official with one L. So uh, yeah, send me a- So make sure you get your spelling right too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the real John has like over 17K followers. So that's a good way to just determine if you're with the right John or not, but drop him a DM if you got some gifts from this episode. Um, thank you so much for being with us, guys, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye. <laughs>